If you would go with me to Leviticus chapter 23. Last week we talked about the Passover, the Feast of Passover. So applicable for us today because God provided a Passover lamb for us. He provided a spotless Passover lamb so that we could be cleansed from our sin. And I just felt this morning as I was praying this burden. I, you know, it, it's come to me several times lately, and I've been praying about this. Across America and the Western world as a whole, people will gather into churches today, and they will go thinking about what I can get out of this meal. What am I going to walk away with? If you're ever on Facebook or any of those sites, people will put scripture passages on there at various times if you're friends with Christians. Uh, they'll put scripture passages, and I was talking to somebody last night, and I said, have you ever noticed they never put a passage on there about what God expects of me? It's always what I'm going to get from God. <laughs> and, I, and I think, this is why the church is in such an apostate state today. And I, I know I've hammered this home time and time again to this congregation, and I probably will continue to do so. That we need to remember it is not just about what I get. Amen. It is about what God wants, yes. what God demands, what God expects of me. Why isn't there ever a passage on Facebook about death of the flesh, dying to self, crucifying the flesh, taking up your cross and following Him? Why don't they ever put those verses on? Amen. Maybe I need to, so I get defriended by something. <laughs> 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 so let's get rid of that guy. But you know, God provided a Passover lamb. Yes. And you and I don't have to spend eternity in hell because Jesus Christ was and is that spotless Passover lamb. Yes. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 4. It says, And these are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons, in the fourteenth day of the first month, that at even is the Lord's Passover, and on the fifteenth day. You get that? Passover was on the 14th day, on the 15th day of the same month as a feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. Deuteronomy 16. As you're looking there, I want you to realize how important that is. Passover, your redemption, your purifying, your, your, your calling out, your salvation, your, your, your uh, entering into the kingdom of God, 14th day, 15th day, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's going to be very significant. Deuteronomy 16, verse 1. It says, observe the day of Abib, and, or the month of Abib, and I'll tell you, Abib was later changed, the name was later changed, to uh, Nisan, which we talked about last week. So when it's talking about Abib, it is talking about the month of Nisan as, uh, later on. Uh, observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God, for in the month of Abib the Lord thy God brought thee out of the land of Egypt by night. Praise God. We've been brought out of the land of Egypt. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God, of the flock and of the herd, and in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread therewith, even the bread of affliction. For thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste. 
that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life, and there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in thy coast seven days, neither shall there be anything of the flesh which thou sacrificest the first day at eve, even remain all night until the morning. Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover with any, uh, within any of the gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee. But in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name in, there thou shalt sacrifice the Passover at even, and at the going down of the sun at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt. And thou shalt roast and eat it in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And thou shalt turn in the morning and to go into thy tent. Six days thou shalt eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord thy God. Thou shalt do no work therein. Father, I pray that you will use me as a mouthpiece today to give your heart to your people. Lord, let me be taken out of the way. And let your Holy Spirit direct and lead. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now when you're talking about leaven, and we all know this, uh, virtually everywhere in Scripture where leaven is mentioned, it is synonymous with sin. That's what leaven is. Unleavened bread is significant in that it is taking the, the sin out of our life. It is to be a sinless life, a purifying, a time of, of cleansing. And last week we talked about Passover. It is one thing, and it's not good enough to just know that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. It's not good enough to just know who Jesus is. It's not good enough to know the Word of God. I know people, I, I, I remember when I worked in the prison, there was a guy there that could quote Scripture like you wouldn't believe. Bam, bam, bam. He could quote Scripture, blow your mind how he could quote Scripture. Didn't no more know the Lord than Santa Claus. He absolutely had no idea who God was. But he could quote Scripture. Yes. There was no God in his heart. And, I, and we talked about last week that the blood has to be applied. It's not good enough that the blood was shed. It has to be applied. And that blood has to be applied in our life before we can really know who Jesus Christ is. There are a lot of people that believe that Jesus was real and that he died on a cross. He shed his blood. But have still never applied that blood to their heart in, in total surrender to him. So often people get comfortable in Egypt. We like Egypt sometimes. We feel comfortable in Egypt. That sin feels comfortable. If you've been addicted to anything, drugs, alcohol, anger, jealousy, any of those things, that's a comfort zone for you. It's, not, it's sometimes not comfortable coming out of those things. And the children of Israel that were, were in bondage and they had to work 12, 14 hours a day Hard labor, seven days a week, but yet when God delivered them, they got out into the wilderness and they were struggling a little bit. What they want to do? Go right back to that again. Yes. I, I, I'm amazed at that sometimes. I watched my dad, more times than I can count, go through the battle of stopping smoking. He would go through it. He would spend, uh, you know, torturous weeks overcoming this thing that he's done for 50 years. And he would finally get free of it and go a year and then start smoking again. I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> what are you out of your mind? I don't understand that. And, and so then the battle would be all over again. And so it becomes comfortable, that comfort zone. And they talked about eating all of the lamb. 
You cannot take part of the Word of God. It has to be all of it. Amen. It has to be everything that God said. You can't highlight just what you like and throw out the rest. <laughs> but now that we have the blood applied, God has called his children out. And, and remember, I said that they had to eat the lamb fast. He yes. said, devour it. Eat it up as fast as you can eat it and get ready to leave. Because God's not going to leave. This isn't our home. God's going to take us in the wilderness experience and take us to the promised land. But the very next day, basically these two feasts were tied together. Yeah, the Passover and the, and the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread were, were tied together. They were inseparable because the moment that you are saved, the moment God cleanses you and writes your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, from that moment on you are to be a pure and holy and righteous vessel before Him. Yes. Immediately that unleavened bread part of your life, that leaven must be removed and you must live a life that is purified. Now what is leaven? Leaven is basically... Uh, a fermentation that is added to the to the dough. It, and it, amazing thing about it, you can put it in there, and when I read about it, because I don't make bread, but when I read about it, it basically permeates that dough in just a, a matter of a few moments. It'll, it'll saturate throughout all of the dough. And it's basically the beginning process of decay. You let a little bit of leaven into your life and it will saturate. It'll get through there. It'll, 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 it'll get in every nook and cranny of your life and it'll start to control your life. That's what sin does. Sin, sin isn't something that's just there. Sin controls you or God controls it in you. Yes. I mean, you go ahead and try to control sin yourself. Just get up one day and say, I'm not going to sin today. <laughs> See how that works out for you. Yeah. But God defeats sin in you. Yes. God has a way of making you righteous before Him. Say, well, I sure blow it a lot. That's what the grace of God is for. Because God has already said, you're pure. You're pure. He said, I have made you holy. I have made you righteous. You can't make yourself righteous. But because of the blood of the Lamb, He has made you righteous. The Feast of Unleavened Bread it's talking about that leaven, that, 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 that part of decay, that death that sin brings being moved out of, the, out of us. Taken away. Cleansed. He, he makes us, we're still flesh and blood, we're still humans, we still walk the earth, we walk and talk, we go to work, we do all that thing. But the difference is, God says what? We are separated people. Yes. Now we, we used to hear sermons about this. You remember holiness? Messages? Anybody remember Holiness messages at all? You know, I I remember back in my early days in the Church of God, it was considered a holiness organization. And I, a lot of you hear Assembly of God in the past. I'm, I'm sure the Assembly of God was the same way. They had the thing, man. They had the, the practical commitments. <laughs> Assembly of God have anything like that? As a Church of God member, you will not do this. You will not do that. In the very early days of the Church of God, it was you would not go to a movie theater. You will not chew chewing gum. You will not drink soda pop. Wow, I mean, they were such. Back when my day, it still had a lot of rules, those practical commitments. You would not go to dances. You would not. And they had this list of things. And they were considered, they prided themselves in be, being called a, a holiness organization. Uh, and then what something happened, it was, must have been the late 80s, early 90s, 
I think that they started to lose too many people. <laughs> I mean, they were kind of dumb, and that became their mind. If a woman came up to the altar and got saved, there was three or four old ladies right there telling her how to dress before she got up off that floor. You gotta, you gotta change clothes, girl. You gotta, you gotta cover everything up. It's gotta be all the way down here. But you know, they went too far. They, they went extreme. It became the obsession of the church. Church of God, Assembly of God, Pentecostal Holiness, United Pentecostal, pretty much all of them consider themselves holiness organizations, and they, they, they stress that to such a degree. But then something happened. They took all the bath water, and they took the baby, and they went, <laughs> they got it all, and so all holiness preaching kind of went away. We don't want to talk about that stuff anymore. Let's just talk about how great God is. You know what? God is great. You know what else? God expects us to be holy. Yes. I kind of hunger for holiness preaching now and then. Yes. I want to be reminded of how I'm supposed to live. I'm not so I'm not so down on being told now and then you need to straighten up, boy. You know, you don't get it right. You're not always right. I want to hear somebody step on my toes now and then. Believe me, when I'm up here preaching, I'm stepping on my toes a lot. Holiness preaching is not a bad thing. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I should have had that all planned out. I must have the same Bible Ernie has. I don't think Corinthians is in First Corinthians chapter 5. Here's what Paul said. Now Paul is preaching a holiness message here. He really is. Look at this. this see, this would get him run out of most modern churches. <laughs> it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. Hmm. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one would have his father's wife. Ouch. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned, but that ye that done have done uh, <laughs> that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Well, you know, right there you can preach. Right there I can preach a while. Because there's something to be taught here. A couple of principles. Number one, there's sin in the camp. Paul said, get it out. Number two, it shouldn't even be named among you, this kind of vile thing that is taking place in your body. But the church is glorying in it. They're happy with it. I mean, that's what he says right there. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned. You should be mourning that this thing is going on among you. But, but he had done this thing, and then he says, take it away. Wow, that's pretty harsh. Verse 3, For I verily, as absent in body, but present in the Spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath, done, hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together in my spirit, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your glorying is not good, church. Your glorying in sin in the church is not good, is what he's telling them. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump. As ye are unleavened, 
For at even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and of wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle, not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one, not, no, not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? But them that are without, God judges. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. See, we don't like that today in the church. That's not comfortable to us. There's somebody in the church that's in sin, and we're supposed to show them love and compassion. We're supposed to we're supposed to wrap our our, our spiritual arms of love around them and and give them give them the compassion of Christ to show them the love of Christ. And if you confront sin, somebody's always going to say, "Well, you're not operating in love." You ever heard that? You're not operating in love, really. But God's saying sin in this church is destructive like a leaven that gets in there and it spreads and it permeates through the church and it'll destroy the ministry of the church. And I'm, I'm just guessing here that whoever was doing this, who was actually in a relationship with his mother, uh, was apparently in a position of influence in the church because the church was fine with it. They were just over like, yeah, it's, it's cool, it's fine. Paul was furious. He said, well, I wish I could be there so I could clean house for you. But I'm not there, but I am there in spirit. You can almost see the, the, the fire going on in Paul right here. Because the church had forgotten that we are an unleavened people. We are to be pure. The Bible says, be not conformed to the world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of the mind. Amen. Yes. We are not to live like them, walk like them, talk like them, sound like them, or be like them. And I am not saying that we are superior to them. I am saying that God has called us to a higher standard as children of God. Yes. We are called to a higher standard. And Paul is telling them, you are allowing this thing. See, the problem with sin today, and we see it in America, every day we see it, sin has always been sin in our country. Even if you were an alcoholic, you knew it was wrong. Even if you were a thief, you knew it was wrong. If you were a homosexual, you knew it was wrong. You can go down the list. Everybody understood these things are wrong. But God says, cursed is he that calls good evil and evil good. We today have got to the point where these things are good, and you and I, who don't believe in it, are the ones with the phobia. That's right. Yes. If you're against homosexuality, you're a homophobic. That's right. I have never, ever, ever met a homophobic person. <laughs> I see a, homo, uh, a homosexual, I don't get scared. That's what a homophobe would be, I, afraid of them. I'm not afraid of them. I'm against an ungodly, vile lifestyle. Yes. Jesus Christ died on a cross for that homosexual. And he loved them so much that he, sat, that he died, 
shed his blood on a cross to save them, just like he did for you with whatever sin you were in and me with the sin I was in. But we have now called it okay. That's a good thing. You know, people that don't stand for it, those are the weird ones. You know, I remember when alcoholism was a sin. Now it's just a weakness or a disease. Yes. What, you walk down the sidewalk and pass somebody and they breathe on you and you became an alcoholic? I, I, that, that seems disease to me. Let me tell you what it is. It's called sin. That's what it's called. Yes. God immediately, upon saving the children of Israel out of Egypt, immediately took them into the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Holiness is a natural response to knowing Jesus Christ. You have to be holy. And we have this argument that goes on in Christianity. You have the one side, uh, they argue it as an Aramaic side that says that, that, that you're, you're, you're living holy in order to please God, in order to, uh, to, to, to gain favor or even to gain salvation. You have the other side that says that you are uh, living a holy life for the purpose, uh, because of the fact that you are saved and you're very grateful for it. So therefore, you're, you're living a holy life just plain out of gratitude. I don't even really buy either side. Here's where I'm at in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2 says, Israel was holiness unto the Lord. Holiness is not something that you do. Holiness is not something that you try to do. Holiness is not something that you strive for. As a child of God, holiness is who you are. It is, it is who you, you can't get away from it. If you are truly, absolutely, totally, and completely sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ, He's made you holy by His blood. Bam, you're holy. And, and you know, you fight with these things. You battle with sin. You, and, and I'm not saying you don't. I, please understand me. You don't automatically arrive. What I'm saying is God is what? Holy. John chapter 17 says, let them be one as we are one let them be one in us that means that god the father god the son and god the holy spirit are one and we as god's children are one in him Amen. that's what he's telling us if god is holy we are holy not by anything that we do but by his blood by his grace by his power by his authority we can't be holy outside of the blood of jesus christ amen god calls us to holiness so what happens when somebody claims, and this is what Paul gets at here, you got this person who claims to be a brother, but he's a fornicator. He's covetous. He's, he's a thief. He's, a, he's an extortioner. He's all, What about that guy? He said, don't even associate with him. That's pretty harsh. That's pretty harsh. And I think the biggest problem, you say, well, the church is supposed to be a hospital. Everybody should be able to come. I, yeah. Paul wasn't talking about a sinner that need to be saved. He was talking about somebody who was claiming to be a child of God, but purposely and willfully living in sin. Yes. That's a different situation. Amen. And it still seems very harsh to us, but that's, that's the way they dealt with things back then because holiness is just that important to God. He is the almighty, holy, and righteous God. He expects us to be holy as well. It, 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 should, it is natural to a child of God to live a holy life because we belong to Him. And I hope I'm getting that across. We can't do it on ourselves. Amen. We don't have the power. 
We don't have the ability to be holy. You and I will mess up every day. We will sin. We will fall short. We will say something we're not supposed to say. We will do something we're not supposed to do. And the grace of God still says we're holy. We are holy. Does that make sense? Yes. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 says, And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That's what took place the day that Jesus Christ became the Passover lamb in your life and that blood was applied. You became. And you put on that new man. You put on that new man, which after God is created in righteousness. That new man in you and I. The one that is saved, blood bought, redeemed by the blood of the lamb, is a new creation that is created in righteousness. Praise God for that. Because we can't do it. So why do we? Why is it so important to be holy? Well, for one thing, we're examples. Isn't that what Scripture tells us? We're an example. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We carry the banner of the, the Lord God Almighty in our lives. Everywhere we go, we carry that banner. People are looking at us. You better believe they watch everything you do. All you have to do is say you're a Christian. Yeah. That'll get you in enough trouble. And I've uh, updated you several times of how our military has, has become very hostile towards Christianity. I saw a headline this week that said, the military backs off on their stance on religious uh, garb and, and rituals and stuff. I thought, well, that's cool. Maybe they're going to back off a little bit. I started reading the article, and it said that they're going to make provisions on a, a singular basis, an individual one-on-one basis, for Muslim Jews and Shitas. I've never heard of that. I think it was S-I-T-H or something. I've never even heard of that religion. It's funny. The biggest majority of uh, the biggest religious group in the military are Christians. Didn't mention that group. You know how many of them Shita or whoever there is in our military? One. In our whole military, there's one. So they're going to make provisions for them. Christianity makes people angry. You can talk the Bible. You can talk the Torah. You can talk the you know anything you want to talk until you mention Jesus, and all all of a sudden things get. Harry, my friend I talked to the other day, he worked at a university there in uh, uh, North Carolina, the pastor I was talking about, he said, he said, I've worked there for 22 years, and every time they have a banquet or a dinner, they always ask me to pray. And he said, I went to the last one, it was shortly before I retired, he said, I, I prayed, and at the end of it, I said, in Jesus' name, amen. He said, the administration got a hold of me after that one, and they said, because you said the name of Jesus Christ, we will never have another prayer at any banquets or any functions in this university. He said that was the last one. After that, they never had another prayer at any, any function there. All we had to do was pray without saying Jesus. That's all they had to do. All you have to do is pretend to be religious without having Jesus. And it still feels good to the world. But you know what? Jesus is the one that is the sinless Passover lamb. He's the only way to get into heaven. That's what drives them crazy. Oh, my way should work just as well as your way. Well, my way doesn't work and your way doesn't work. Christ's way works. Yeah. It has to be by what he said and he is a spotless Passover lamb. Amen. And it's by his blood that we are made holy. We are ambassadors. We have to remember that. 
You know, you get a job as an ambassador to the United States, you better say and do and act exactly like that boss said you do. You're going as a representative of the United States. As a child of God, folks, you are going as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Amen. Everything you say, everything you do is being watched as an ambassador for Him. It is that important. So, holiness preaching, Philippians 4 or 5. I mean, to me, this wraps it up. This just puts it all in a nutshell. The whole thing that it's about. Philippians 4 or 5 says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, you know, and I'm talking about holiness preaching of old. You know, if you've been in a, in, a, in a church for, you know, 20 or 30 years, you remember some of that. They like to pick on women. You remember those days? They picked on women. They watched you. You wore pants, makeup, jewelry. You remember those pants, makeup, jewelry messages? <laughs> Seemed like that every other message was pants, jewelry, makeup. And they talked about it a lot. Men could do pretty much whatever they wanted. But women, they had to dress right. And, and so they, they, they hammered that home. But you know what? There's truth to it had it been done biblically. God does tell us everything in moderation. And because we've lost sight on that, because the baby went out with the bathwater, just about anything goes in church anymore. And it should not be. You ever run into those people, those ladies in church, where you have to make sure you don't allow your eyes to go down because you didn't want, you don't want to see <laughs> what, what you were not intending to see? Take a handkerchief or something and lay out there. Hey, <laughs> cover you up, or things that are way tighter than they really ought to be. You know what? It's all about moderation because the world, and, and I've often said, what is the tie between alcohol and Women taking their clothes off. I don't understand it. Being a cop, it is so typical. You go into a place, females start drinking, clothes start coming off. I'm like, what is up with that? <laughs> Men start acting like children. Stupid little two-year-olds. Throw a little alcohol in them, they look like two-year-olds. Behaving like little children. But God calls us to holiness in the way we dress. And he does specifically mention ladies. I'm sorry, don't get mad at me. It does. I, I didn't write it. I wasn't even there. First Peter chapter 3 says, Whoso, uh, talking about women, who's adorning, let it not be of the outward adorning of plated hair and of wearing a gold uh, put it on of apparel, but let it be in the hidden man of the heart, in which is not corruptible, even the ornament, ornament, ornament of meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price. For after this manner in old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. Now, back in those days of holiness preaching, they preached that to teach that women were never to wear makeup, never to wear jewelry, you know, never anything like that because that's ornate. That's not what they're saying. Let me read it again, the first line. Who's adorning? Those two words right there bring it all into perspective. Who's adorning? Let it not be of those out, uh, outward things. When God touches your life, ladies, He does something in you that beautifies the inward person. Your beauty is not to be what you put on in front of a mirror in the morning. Your beauty is what God did on the inside. It is that, that redeemed person on the inside that God changed that as it says a, a meek and a quiet spirit which is in the sight of God a great thing this is a wonderful thing 
We have a whole generation that thinks that it's all on the outside. That's right. Amen. Amen. You let Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera, and you can go down the list. Let them get on stage to do something. What's the first thing to do? Take half their clothes off. Of course, you got to take the clothes off if you're going to go up and sing. That's just, that's just normal. I don't know anybody, anyone here raised girls? No. I raised one. God was gracious enough to give me one. Oh. Every day, it was the battle. You're going to put some clothes on, girl. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. It was war. Put some clothes. Nope. That thing's about three sizes too small, sweetie. Don't find something that fits. I know we bought you clothes that fit. It's a battle because the devil wants the hearts and minds of our children. Why did they do that? Well, it's certainly not comfortable. <laughs> it's not because this feels good. It's because they want to turn the eyes of the man. What does God say about the man? Matthew 5, 28 says, But I say unto you, Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery in his heart already. Yep. Whosoever looketh in the wrong way, lusteth, after that woman has already so so what's God doing here is you have the ladies that carry responsibility because men are visuals we are visual right the ladies who carry the responsibility of not putting something in front of those visual creatures that leads them into sin men you have a responsibility to bring this body under subjection and what you're seeing under subjection and what you're uh, ingesting under subjection to the holiness of god there's a responsibility on both parts right. say ladies dress right men watch where your eyes are going Amen. what are you saying right Amen. is this holiness preaching y'all can yes. quit now <laughs> <laughs> you know like I said, I miss some of that old preaching, but I wish they would have been biblical about it. I wish they would have had a balance. It, it was, God wasn't picking on ladies. He wasn't saying, oh, it's all about you. Face it, gals. God made you prettier than us. <laughs> Just how it is. And there's a reason. Because there was one man that God created you to be beautiful for. Yes. One. Jesus. Yes. Your husband. Amen. Your husband. God didn't create you to be beautiful to Tom, John, and Henry, and Sam down at the store. He created you to be beautiful to the man that you stood in front of the world and took as, as your husband. That's the one that he created you to be beautiful for. And any time you share that beauty with somebody else, that's sin. That's what it it boils down. Let that let your beauty not be showing off what you're not supposed to show off. Let your beauty be what's in here. Amen. But men, you are responsible to keep these things where they're supposed to be. <laughs> you are responsible. And it always frustrated me. And I I've probably mentioned this before. You know, you see Kobe Bryant, and you can go down the list. Magic Johnson happened to him, happened to a whole bunch of them, where they would go out partying, and they would pick up some girls, and they would go to a motel room, and all of a sudden the girls screaming rain and looking to get filthy rich. And they say, well, no means no. You're right, it does. Absolutely. But what did she think that she was going to that motel room for? Like, rich? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Kobe Bryant wasn't saying, hey, let's go watch Sports Center. <laughs> she knew there is a responsibility that goes on both sides of this issue 
Yes. This really didn't mean to be a whole message about clothing. It really wasn't. <laughs> I'm talking about holiness. Clothes are just part of it. The words that come out of your mouth. The things you watch on your TV. The things that you read. The places you go to on your internet, on your computer. Everything you do is to be unleavened. Because Amen. if you let just a little bit in, just a little bit, a little bit. And I've, I've drilled it home before. What was it, 60 years ago? A movie comes out with one little, what we would call a minor cuss word. And now we have a movie with, what was it, 469 F words in it. Yeah. 60 yeah. years later. Because that one little bit of leaven gets in there. If you let a little bit of sin into your life, folks, it will grow. Yes. It will grow. It is diligent. God, take everything in me, every single thing. You're going to sin. You're going to fall. You're going to falter. You're going to waver. It happens. We're human. God knows it. We didn't have children expecting them to be perfect. Anybody expect to have a perfect child? No. That little critter's going to be born. It's never going to make a mess. It's never going to lie. It's never going to disobey. This is going to be a perfect child my whole life. And then you wake up in the morning. God did not redeem you as his child and expect you to be perfect. He knew better than that. You couldn't handle being perfect. Amen. <laughs> Paul wrestled with it. He said, oh, the things that I do not even allow are the very things I do. What was he saying? I stand up here and I preach against sin and I do the very things that I'm preaching against. <laughs> That's what Paul was wrestling with. Why? Because Paul was a human like we are. Yes. But by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are called redeemed. We are called holy. We are called righteous before him. We are the saints of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's right. That's what... It's like this... I'm trying to show them. Really. It's like this, this battle between where we should be and where we are. Yes. And the blood of Jesus Christ makes up that difference. Amen. Because there's nothing else that can. Amen. There's nothing else that can. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 19 says, Of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. If you are bound in anything, that's 11 in your life. If you've got to have your cigarette, if you've got to have your beer, if you've got to, and you can go down the list, if you've got to have that certain nasty TV show, you got I me, mean, you can go down the list. Whatever that addiction is in your life, that is 11 in your life, and it'll grow and it'll keep you separated from the potential in your relationship with Jesus Christ. God calls us to be a holy people. Yes. He calls us to be a holy people. And by His blood, He has made us holy. But He demands that we are holiness. Israel was holiness before the Lord. You and I are holiness before the Lord. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was fulfilled in Jesus Christ coming to this earth and having a, living a holy life. The spiritual application is that you and I are to be holy people before God. Would you pray? Father, thank You. For your word. God, I've done the best I know to do, and I pray, Father, that you will work in our hearts. Work in me. God, work in me. I know that I fight with leaven that comes into my life. And God, I just, 
I want to quit fighting it. I want to give it to you, Lord, because I can't defeat it. I can't win. And sometimes I find myself trying to win this battle, but I can't win, Lord. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's by the, the grace of God. It's by the power of God that we live holy. Lord, I pray, God, for each one of us, you are purging your church. I believe that. You are cleaning your church up. You're cleansing your church for the critical days ahead. I pray for every one of us here that we will know Jesus Christ in a, in a deep and a passionate way that we will be purified by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, let there be no leaven in us. It's an automatic result of being saved, Lord, that, that you purify us and that you expect us to walk people. Jesus, I just ask for this body of believers to be touched today and that you will examine us. And Lord, help each one of us to examine ourselves so that everything within us will be in the faith. Hallelujah. Let us be righteous before you, God. Hallelujah. I praise you. I praise you.